Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Behind the Veil, a show that provides insight into the world of weddings. Okay, today I am so excited because we have an amazing guest, an icon in the industry, a giant among giants. His name is David Jutera, and you probably already know his name because he's just that incredible. He has built a reputation of making incredible events, and if you haven't already watched his TV show or read one of the most amazing articles or followed one of the most amazing weddings that he has done, you're going to really, really want to be part of today's uh, show because we're going to get a chance to actually talk to David directly and see, you know, the stresses that come with being David Tutera. But before I bring on David, let me introduce our co-host, Marcy Gutenberg, with an affair to remember by Marcy, and the always gorgeous Brooke Logan Stoner. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. All right, so we're we're waiting for David to be able to to connect because he's got a, a crazy busy schedule. And from what I understand, he's got a really big project that's going to be coming out this summer. Yes. And I don't know if we're allowed to actually talk about it, but <laughs> we're about to find out. We're about we'll to find, find out. out. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, David has been one of those th- guys that has been incredibly accessible to our event community in general, because he's spoken at multiple NACE conferences, NACE National Association of Catering Events, and I know that he's made himself super accessible to other organizations like NAWP. Um, and, you know, and, and that's rare for somebody on his level and his caliber to make themselves available because, I mean, his schedule for is For years, he's been doing this, too. Right. I mean, and his it's crazy. Ridiculously tight. And, Marcy, you you actually got to meet with David uh, a couple of years ago uh, at the, uh, at the yes. news conference. Right? Actually, um, many years ago, I met him. <laughs> and then yeah. I met him again um, not too long ago, about a few years ago. We did a trade show here for weddings in South Florida. And yeah. he was our – actually, he was the host. And he – not only spoke to our um, our chapter, but he also was able to uh, speak privately with us. He gave us a private uh, meet and greet afterwards. And that was so special that, you know, I mean, we really appreciated that. He just is such an incredible man who has given so much to our industry and to our chapter and to NACE National as well. But yeah. I mean, he's just is such an incredible man. Well, talking about an incredible man, let me bring on David Tutera. David! Hi, everyone. Hi, David. Oh, David, I know that your schedule is like crazy busy, so thank you so much for being on the show. (laughs) It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. That's what's most important. Thank you. I know, and I love your background. I love, like... You know, perfect lighting, I have to say, because I hate my lighting. I hate my lighting today. Whatever. Anyway, I'll yell at people later. Anyway, but anyway, so, I mean, David, I mean, we're so excited that you, you're you on the show. And I found, you know, one of the things that when we were talking about, like, you know, because we've talked to some really incredible event people, you know, when you started out, you started out like the rest of us, just doing events. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I started out not knowing a single thing. You know, I I learned from trial and error and mistakes. And um, you just, you know, over a course of life and time and decades, you know, you begin to, you know, know what to do and know what not to do and how to, you know, respond to clients and deal with vendors and understand how to make a profit and how to make, make the right decisions for yourself and for your company. 
So you did a, you had a TV show and I, I'm from Dallas. So I'm from Dallas, Texas. And you did a, you did a, a wedding that was at the rail station in Dallas. And it was this, and I'll never forget this. It was like this total goth wedding, nothing but blacks and reds and this huge kind of crazy. And I thought, there's no way this guy's going to be able to pull this off. There's no way. Cause of course the show led up to it, led up to it. And it was stunning. And I went, I want to do that. That's, I mean, that was my inspiration. I was like, oh my God, I want to be able to do something like that because that was funny because last night, this is, that's funny you bring that up. Last night, my daughter who's eight had never seen any of my television shows. So (gasps) we went on to, um, I forgot what streaming device we went on and we watched three episodes and she's like, daddy, you did this. I said, um, yeah, like hundreds, (laughs) hundreds of them. And, I woke up this morning and she was downstairs watching a fourth episode. Well, we don't go for a week, <laughs> watching TV. <laughs> I know, but but doesn't that make you proud? Because you know, typically your kids are not interested in what you do. They're like, "Yeah, okay, Dad, thanks. Okay, we're moving on." But you know, the fact that she was so interested that she was like, "Oh, I, I you know, I want to watch another episode." That had got to make you feel like proud tug on the heartstrings. Well, it's funny because I never really ever watched any episode that I ever I ever produced. So, you know, it's true. It's it was sort of my rule of thumb. Do the job. Right. Don't look at yourself as a, you know, as a talking head, concentrate on the content that you deliver to the to the viewer and to the recipients, which were the couples. And right. it was the first time I sat down and I actually went, wow, this was a really cool show. Like I didn't really, you know, <laughs> you know, 12 years of doing television or 13 years of doing TV, I never watched myself. Really? But was that weird? But was that weird? Because I know we, I mean, it took us a little time to get used to watching ourselves, you know, and I mean, we're just a little, a little local show. I know Brooks like crunch, Um, you know, we're just a little local show. I mean, we were never supposed to be this big actually, or even to this level. So it still catches us off guard once in a while when people are like, Oh, I know your face. I can't even imagine being David Tutera. I mean, cause your name is synonymous with amazing weddings, events, and, 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 basically being famous i have to say i mean it, i mean how hard was that that transition to go from a, doing a great job being having a great client list to then all of a sudden having people have preconceived ideas about david tutero well right a little hard i will be honest i mean you know i i stepped into the the into the world of television um simply because i was entertaining expert on the view on ABC. So it sort of translated into me having my own show. But prior to that, I already had a successful business in creating events for clients in New York and around the country. So when I transferred into doing television, what I didn't realize was that was going to hurt my business. So TV created a brand, TV created a platform, created a personality. I, I, get offended when people refer to me as celebrity because I feel like that's just sort of a pedestal I don't want to be on. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm an expert, you know, I'm not, you know, a Kardashian. I'm, I'm an expert in a field that we love, all of us love. Right. So when that had happened, that moment that sort of shifted from great, great company, great successful clients to now doing TV, all those really great clients dropped me because they were like, he doesn't have time to work for me. He's now on television and he's a celebrity. So I had a loss of business for 
had a good several series of years. Um, and I real I hadn't realized what was going on until I figured it out right. and then we adjusted the business. So it allowed right. me to go back to the business I had with my clients, newer ones, and still have a business on television. Um, right allowed me to do that on my own time as well. But that was a big learning curve, a loss of money, chaos and confusion, and really trying to find my footing. It was, it was tough. Because, you know, the thing is, is that when, when you see somebody successful on TV, you just assume that they're successful in all areas of their life. And you have no idea that, oh, gosh, there's a perception issue that then happens with, you know, oh, exactly what you said. Oh, he doesn't have time for me. He's doing all this TV. But TV is minuscule when it comes to timing, I'm assuming. It doesn't take you forever to tape all, all the shows, right? I mean, it, Oh, no. Like, TV took – the amount of time television took was staggering to me on how long and repetitive and production is on out production. and having to re-edit and, re- and reshoot. And it was one of the hardest really? things I've learned because as all we know in the industry of, t- of events – we are running at the fastest pace we can, and there's no going backwards to restart and fix. No, you know, never. It's a timeline. When you're filming with a camp with multiple cameras around you, they can go cut, do it again, cut. You're like, where's the food truck? Thank you. <laughs> that would totally be me. I'm like, oh, I heard about catering on on those sets. All right, let me go get that food. I mean, that would totally be me. Right, Marcy, did you have a question? <laughs> I, you know, I remember when you did the conference out in Seattle and you had those vignettes. And I have to say, I mean, they were like massively tall and there were four vignettes. And I just remember, I mean, I specifically remember the Western one. And I was, I mean, this is like years ago. And I still remember it to this day. I mean, it was just so impactful. The, 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 the process that you must go through when you're, exhibiting something like that is just, I mean, I know that you work on projects all the time. What, what, what do you think is, where do you think things are going right now with regards to what's, what, what do you have big on your plate these days? Yeah. Oh boy. boy. (laughs) I see you, Marcy. I see you. There's yeah, a lot going on. Are you able to talk about any of them? Or no, absolutely. Um, we, well, first of all, we, we have been awarded, and I'm proud to share this all, we've been awarded um, four of the largest projects I've ever had in my career, all in the past, what, maybe nine months. Um, it's very exciting. It, it's wow. one of those moments where you go, how did this all happen? Like, I, I you know, I've done some pretty big projects, right? And then right. the biggest project landed on my lap literally nine months ago. I mean, it's the most epic. Uh, I can't talk about it, but I can say it's the most profitable and most difficult project that it's like doing five Super Bowls on one day. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. It, and we are the, – the project takes course over um, – God, I think it's like nine campuses. Uh, it's a corporate event, and it's um, – we've got high, high-end – entertainment and it is it's it's just exciting because when you look to say okay i've done i don't know a thousand weddings and then this comes on and, and you go what this is like the coolest <laughs> it's a lot of work and then we also got some really some of the largest weddings i've had in my career popped into my world in the past couple months right uh, i just wrapped up writing my memoir book which took me two years um 
which you're too young for memoir. What are you talking about? You're way too young for memoir. (laughs) What? I'm not too young. Thank you. Like, Um, you know what? Thank you for lighting because you're younger than I am. And I'm like, what memoir? Screw you. (laughs) It really took a long, it was a long effort. It was probably not the best time to do over COVID because it was very emotional and it was, it's a hard story and it's, you know, people don't know people until they actually learn about them. So they'll be learning a lot more about me in a completely different capacity, not about my life in the world of events or television, which sneaks in there a little bit, but I'm trying to just share, you know, it's basically um, the journey to joy, um, what you do to get to a place that brings you to a happier space. Speaking of joy, what would you say is the, would you say the most joyous moment was or still is for you in planning events? Um, you know, I pause because it's, everyone expects me to say some celebrity name, like when I worked for Elton John or Prince Charles or, or none of that. It's none Hold of on, that. Let me, let me pick that up. I just, I, I just, I just dropped a name there. Okay. Let me um, <laughs> <laughs> my most memorable moments are when, you know, I created my wedding with my husband and, or when I my wedding for a wedding for my aunt, who's like my sister, or when I do my children's birthday parties, I mean, that is far more to me rewarding. Not that I, my clients are not important; they always are. But they leave, they go away, right? Right. These people are part of my my life, and they always talk and remind me how wonderful that moment was for them, and yeah. I created that for them. You know, I, you know, my favorite thing as a wedding planner is, you know, the fact that you know, years down the road, and this actually just happened randomly, we were walking down the street and there was a whole group of people having pizza on the street and they all screamed. And I'm like, what, what's happening? And there was a bride that I had done their wedding like eight years ago or something like that. And they were so excited to see me because they're like, oh my God, you made the most amazing wedding for us, blah, blah, blah. And to me, that was everything. Yeah. I mean, it was everything to have that person that because you make such an impact as a, a single human being yeah you know there's not many jobs in this world that have that kind of emotional impact like you we know, have we i always share this on our mentorship program and when we when i produce the david tutor experience which is our educational conference you know i always explain to all of us in this industry we carry a, a very large abundance of um, emotion and it is our job not just to make a pretty event, but it's our job to change people's lives. You know, when I say change people's lives, I don't mean their personal things going on in their world, but allowing them to enter into a space that we've de- designed emotionally and physically and beautifully, and then depart from what we have created for our clients. And if you touch one person in that room, and hopefully it's 10 or 20 or 50 people, we have this innate opportunity to really shift people's spaces and shift their energy and allow them to leave and walk away from something that maybe just might've been a wedding or a birthday party, but right. we give them something that they least expect. And that simple thing is joy. And when you receive joy, you yeah. take it with you and you carry it through. Right. And I agree with that. And, you know, and I think a lot of people forget that, you know, the experience doesn't just happen during the event. It happens from the valet, the moment that the person pulls up to the valet and it better be a smile kind of thing to the very end. That car better be there quickly with a smile because you can easily taint a really great event with just a misstep by some other character that's involved in the event. 
And that's hard, especially somebody that has a name like you. That, you know, if it's a David Chatter experience, there I, I feel like there's extra pressure on you. Do you feel that? I do sometimes. I, you know, I, I don't think I take myself that seriously. Um, I respect and I'm grateful for people that, that go, wow, it's a David Chatter party and I'm excited to go. And right. I don't okay, now I have to elevate it because they're expecting something. I'm so, I'm so eagle-eyed zoned into my client and then understanding some of the dynamics that may be going on between family members or, you know, whoever it might be. And I feel like we all, I think we all do this in our industry. We all wear multiple hats. We're all designers, planners and therapists and magicians and, you know, all the things I can, can, can list on and on and, when we do that, it means that we are fully connected, fully connected. We're not just writing a budget and waiting for a paycheck and, you know, moving on to the next project. If we invest ourselves every single time as much as we can, right. we'll be rewarded. They will be rewarded. And more importantly, their guests will leave with a memory that should never leave their lifetime. But do you find it harder now because you've got multiple people that are now dependent on the David Tutera brand? You know, as me as a small business, I mean, Brooke is my assistant. And and so, you know, I, I really have like Brooke and Marcy and, and a few other people. But, you know, the thing is, is that you've got a brand, a company that depends on you and being amazing at what you do every single time. Does that get kind of like, do you ever go, God, I really would like a break just to take yeah, I would like a break. I would like a break. <laughs> and I'm not saying a break from work. It, you, you couldn't have said that better, Keith. You know, everything we do, everything yeah. I create or touch or think of and put out there, you always have to think about what that potential consumer is thinking of it. You know, will right. they judge it? Will they say it's ugly? Will they think it's the wrong idea? Is it dated? Is it too out? outside the box. Right. Um, and, and you really do have to take that time. It's, you know, it's funny. Yesterday I was just writing, um, I had to write uh, two terra tips for one of my product lines that's going into another retailer. And I have to think of like every word that goes onto the packaging. Like it has to make sense mm. to the consumer, but also has to connect to the brand. And it's it's not as easy as it sounds. That quite it doesn't sound easy at all. I'm like, it sounds horrible. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like going, whoa. I mean, I don't know if I could handle that kind of pressure. I mean, I really don't know because that is a lot of pressure. But I guess it, it's something that you got kind of get used to over time. You do, but like when I did it again last night, like I took the words that I had created two days before, read them, and thought, mm, I don't don't like it with the way it's reading for the consumer. So yeah. shortened it. Yes. Last night I rewrote it, added a couple more words and then sets it off. And then the, you have a, another company that overlooks it and then says, okay, you know, maybe you want to change this couple of things and then they oh, send yeah. it back to you kind of thing. It goes to the license, a licensing company and they take a look at it and they, you know, sometimes they come back and go, we don't like it. And I'm like, but I like it. So right. Sort of like back and forth thing. And then, or they'll say that's a word that you can't use or, because everything, you know, everything is trademarked. All of our oh. we do is trademarked. Well, and that's the hard part because, you know, as as a wedding planner, as a, you know, a small wedding planner, I mean, I'm used to having the final say in everything. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to then have to get approval from multiple sources. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, Let me what? Say 
I've been guided. You know, when you do a television show and you're on TV for 17 years consistent, yeah. you are told by everyone around you, do it this way, not that way. Do it this way. Try it that way. And you just begin to put, you know, make-believe muted earphones on, and then you just do what you want to do. And right. um, you eventually, you know, get the position of being executive producer of your show. And then you say, okay, guys, you can give me as many advices as you want, but I'm choosing to do it this way. And it's advice. Remember, it's advice. It's advice. You're not, yeah, you're not I telling me what to, what to do. It's advice. Yeah. Well, and and I find that interesting because I, you know, I I have tattoos, and I noticed that you have tattoos as well. Is that I know I was I was just like, oh, good for him. Yeah, me too. Um, but you know, I mean, does that ever come into play? I mean, because it used to be, you know, tattoos used to be like super taboo, weird play on words. But uh, you know, have you? I mean, when did you decide that? Okay, I, I need to be my own person. I'm going to get my tattoos, and this is it. Too bad. It and, was and, not and, and did it, and did <laughs> anybody daughter, ever say anything against it? When my daughter was born, uh, when Ciela came into the world eight and a half years ago, it's funny you're asking questions that all of these questions came up with my daughter. That's um, so weird. Okay, yeah. I'm like I'm I'm the same age as your daughter. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, Daddy, why did you do that?" I said, I, "I I wanted to do it because everything on my body, everything that goes up and around my body, as right. All a story about my life, um, and it's all positive stories. It's nothing that's negative. So it yeah, struck, I look down and I go, "Oh, you know what? That reminds me of that. Oh, yeah, that's that's reminds me of my daughter. My, you know, reminds me of my grandmother. That's my old. That's my dog that passed away. It's just, it's all cool stuff. It's my story." It's so funny that you said dog because I have a, actually a, a random tattoo on my ankle of a dog that passed away. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird that you actually said that because I looked down at it the other day. And I'm like, that doesn't look anything like that dog. Anyway, so if you were if you were so if you were looking back at your life as David Tara now, was there, is there anything that you would have done differently at the beginning? Would he would you have told yourself like be be a little bit more quiet in your head. I mean, because I have that that noise that happens in my head constantly. Like, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am yeah. I making the right decisions? You know, is it ha, have you looked back and went, man, why did I worry so much? Um, well, I always worry. So that that's something that I always had. And you know, Me I too. I suffer with anxiety, so I have a worry and anxiety, so that's grown and gotten worse. But the, the reality is that yeah. I don't think there's a single thing I would have changed. I think the mistakes I made were intended to happen, and right. they were mistakes I chose to make a mistake, but I learned from them. So every step I took, I'd like to feel like that everything I did in my career and the steps that I've taken, that big steps or small steps, um, were all the right steps. Um right. And some of them were really bad steps that threw me backwards that made me learn something different that I wouldn't have learned. So the bigger question for all of us in this industry is to be really well aware and really understand where you are at the present time, where you come from, where you are today, and where do you wish to be most importantly tomorrow? Mm. Um, you don't have an answer for that. I think you're most stuck in that place for a really long time. And so many people in our industry are stuck in a place trying to do the same thing over and over when yeah. all you have to do is make a slight change, a slight modification. And that can shift everything, both for yourself and yeah. it the potential consumers that will see you differently. 
But, you know, I, I think self-worth is a major issue in our industry just in general. And, you know, that's one of the things that I hear over and over for, especially in, in you know, when we go to these conferences and stuff is, is that people say, you know, raise your prices, know your self-worth. And as people pleasers, I think we come from that side of I, my worth, my self-worth is based on how you react to my event. And, and sometimes it's hard for us as individuals to go, yes, I can charge that because I'm worth it. I'm, I'm good enough. I've done enough events. I'm, you know, I have, I have the experience to do so. I mean, how do you get to that point of figuring out your, your self-worth? And did you know your self-worth when you got into this business? And, and at what point did that finally started to happen? Um, I didn't know when I first got into the business. I knew nothing when I got into the business. So as I started to get these jobs that were small and became somewhat larger, and and then all of a sudden, you know, I referred to them to the billionaires of New York City that sort of knocked on my door because right. I started to spread. Then I realized if that person who is a billionaire is interested in hiring me, right? Then I guess I have the I am worth the value of what they want to spend. So it's a, it's a fascinating dichotomy of, of people's sort of thought process because a billionaire typically doesn't want to spend as much because they say they can't spend that much, but yet they, <laughs> they come to me to hire me to do their job. So that, right. that says to me that I'm worthy now of now elevating my prices. Right. And it was honestly probably about eight to 10 years of that experience of these people in New York city that taught me that didn't teach me legitimately, but right. they fed me the confidence to know that I can go get the Grammys, that I can go do Elton John. I can go do Prince Charles. I can do, uh, they gave me the confidence. Now, did I like some of those people? Absolutely not. They were horrible. But, <laughs> but what came from that was right. this ability to, to, pull my shoulders up and step forward and say, here's my price tag. Right. This is what I'm worth. And I, in, in every one of our mentorship programs that we, that we do twice a week across the board for our, for our mentees. And in my David Tutera experience conference, I must repeat myself over and over. You are not charging enough. Right. You need to charge more. Stop it. If you don't charge more and you break down what you're spending and what you're making, Go home because right. you're not wasting your time. Right. I'm hard on that. Spend, charge more money. That's it. Well, and, you know, we have to make a living hourly. We have to make a living hourly. And I think that's one of the things that we we break, you know, unfortunately in, in our industry is that we tend to like try to break it down into hourly and like, oh, how much am I I'm, I'm making? And that's probably not the, the right way to look at it. So tell, tell me a little bit more about this mentorship because you've brought it up a couple of times, but I don't know anything about it. So the David Tutera mentorship was born out of COVID and my husband, Joey and I decided to build a platform that was an educational program where you join as a mentee for a year and you get full access to two live calls a month. One is always on a specific topic that we teach. Okay. It's recorded, put into a portal. You can watch it anytime you want on your, on your own. Then there's a secondary live Q&A where everyone gets on the Zoom call and asks, asks any questions that are you know top of mind for them for us to help them and learn. We have watched, <coughs> excuse me, we have watched our mentees grow into these incredible people. One of which yeah. is next to me right now works for us full time, 
And we've brought people on to all of these projects that we're working on because they've learned. They've learned from my mistakes, from my ability to show them what they should be doing. Yeah. They've grown. They have literally grown. And it's the same with the experience, the conference that's a live conference in person. They're, 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 they're immersed into two full days of education where they get to learn from all of these brilliant educators on the stage, including myself and my husband, as well as people from around the world that come in to speak and have three nights of amazing events that they can learn and watch and see amazing performances. That's incredible. I mean, does it, does it feel like a proud parent almost a little bit when you start seeing the successes that come from being yeah, a mentor? I wish I had had that. I wish that I was in that position to, you know, be, have someone feed me the information, like the bad things and the good things and the yes. why, you know? Because that's the hard part. You know, when you get into this industry, and and many times as a as a male and as a gay male in this in this industry, I find myself very singular, and 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 the world that is around me. Because it's amazing how many times people are like, "Well, you know, you're the only guy that we've actually talked to," and I'm like, "Well, don't hold that against me. <laughs> like, I still can do the job. I promise." But you know, I mean, but I I wish there was somebody that I could have asked those questions of that I could have reached out to when I first, because I did make so many major mistakes at the yeah. beginning that I think that if I had somebody like you or, or, or another professional that had been in the business and, and had made those mistakes, not that I would have listened, uh, you know, you might have, if you were yeah, well, young, <laughs> but you know what the problem is? And I still think that we, as an industry haven't grown for a lot of reasons. And I, I, and I share this a lot is that we have a lot of people in our industry that are elevated, who are very well known, mm. um, who taunt and walk around and showcase their work, but they never share how they've succeeded. They share and brag about what they've done. Right. They don't say, this is what you need to do. This is what I charge. This is what my contract looks like. This is what you should put or not put into a contract. Right. And I, I find it offensive of, of our phenomenal industry that they can't share, that they have to hold it tight to their chest, and it's not helping anyone. It's not helping our industry. In fact, actually, I think it's making people step backwards. Um, we as successful people in this industry, the platforms that we, we the, I don't want to say stand on, but the platforms that we are in, right. we, we are now at a place where we have to pass it forward and say, no, do it this way. Charge a hundred thousand dollars. Why? Because give me the scope of the work and I'll tell you why that's what you should charge. And they just get up on stage and they show all the pretty photos and talk about how fabulous they are. And it insults me to a level and hits my core so bad that I don't want to see it anymore. I'm tired of the braggers. God, I couldn't love you anymore at the moment. I really couldn't. I mean, because I'm hardcore about that. Because I'm like, why are you so crazy about holding on to the information? Like, it's not going to affect your business. There's so much business out there. Like, shut the hell up. Give me some information <laughs> that I can actually use and move on. If you're not here to give me some information, then I don't want to hear it from you. Move right. on. You know, and that's one of the things is, as leaders of our local community, because like Marcy is the immediate, immediate past president. I'm, I guess I'm immediate past president now of NACE. And, you know, that's the thing is that, w you know, we took that, that position. Past on, president. <laughs> yeah. Past president as, as a means of 
providing information and guidance to people that are in the industry. I mean, that's why we started this damn show for the, you know, I mean, and why we do it week after week after week, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't accept sponsors. We don't expect, uh, accept payments. We don't do commercials because we want to have the information straight from the source because people need it. I mean, how are we supposed to get better as an event industry if we don't share our experiences and and the things that have made us who we are, right? I mean, I'm in, I'm in no danger of losing my business to somebody else because I shared like what my what's in my contract, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I'm actually surprised that your phone didn't like ring more. <laughs> Maybe it's a new client. Hold on, please. <laughs> I'm too busy right now to find you. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I, you're you're so right, Keith, and I, I think it's you know it's our responsibility, and I, I'm proud that you do what you guys do for you know, sharing information and bringing on professionals and giving them the chance to share, you know, their knowledge with people that want to learn. I mean, if you're coming into this industry at 25, yeah, God help you. I mean, just, well, you're 25, (laughs) don't know what they're doing. And it's industry that isn't for what school are you going to to walk in and say, Keith, knock, knock. I want to come work for you. I have a degree in, you know, all this fabulous information. They don't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know? All of a sudden I'm doing the, you know, the masturbation sign. I'm like, no, I don't care about your da- degree. I need to know about your experience and who you are. Like, what is your work ethic? That is, you can't teach work ethic. You just can't. Somebody you can't. Eat- want to hear this one? This is a really good one. This oh, is, yeah. I, I'm going to share this story because I'm proud of this story. So love it. Um, one of my very first assistants back when I was in my offices in New York City um, was interning at the Disney the Disney uh, uh, program in Florida. Right. And on my last day of shooting, I was shooting at Disney um, for my wedding line at Disney. And she walked in the, into the photo shoot at the end and she started packing up the chandeliers that were part of the back set for me. And then she came over and said to me, I know you're in New York, David, and I just wanted to introduce myself. Um, I'd love to intern for you. My internship here in Florida is over and I have a friend in New York that lives in New York city and I'll stay with her for three months. Would you be interested in having me be your assistant? And it was her, it was her demeanor and it was her professionalism and it's yeah. Funk, and I said, yes, fast forward. She was my assistant for, I'm going to say approximately eight years. Wow. Fast forward. We had a conversation about three months ago in Washington, DC. And she says to me, David, I learned every single thing from you, every detail, every point on point that you taught me, I am using now. And just to share with you, she is the social secretary to the president of the United States. What? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. And, I got chills. I got, and I got she, chills. And she, what my, my excitement of this is that she listened and learned and took the advice I gave her yeah. and took it with her and took off. But but she had a work ethic. That's what I'm saying. Is that she was already a doer. She was reaching out to you. She's like, look, my internship is ending. I want to intern with you. But that's what I'm saying. Is that it is very difficult to teach a work ethic. Somebody has to have that like want to work. It's embedded in them. It's born into them. Yes. Right. Hundred percent. And it's amazing how many people that we we deal with on a daily basis that are just like, oh, just hands, I just spoon it to me. I just, you know, you have the information. It's like, great, I'm happy to share it, but you have to also work hard. 
You just have to put in the hours, the just time that goes into figuring out how events work, which means that you're going to be there from 9 a.m. until 2 a.m. on your feet constantly, and you might get a snack bar. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, we, uh, as as Brooke always says, she goes, I live on combos during an event because that's like literally, I mean, that's all I have time for is like combos. You know, now for for you, now that you're, David Tadera, do you have a full staff or do you feel find that you're still as involved and like directly involved in that person that's like at the end of the day, your feet are bleeding and you're just like, oh my God, I need two days to recover from this. We have a, a really interesting way of how we've staffed since COVID. So we've got a lot of people remote um, on this big project. We've got a lot of people remote. Right. Um, we've got a very small core group here in, my, in where I'm sitting right now. Um, and we keep it very lean intentionally. Um, and then when the client, you know, client comes up and there's a project, we have people on the projects that we know we feel are best suited for that particular client. Now there's some people that we would work with that may not, might not be the right fit. So we'll find someone else. Um, I used to run a, uh, office of 65 employees Oy. in New York city. And that was towards the end of my career in New York. And I went, what in the world am I doing? Oh, my God. Too many personalities. All this work so 65 people can be making a salary. When at the end of the day, you lean it down or lean it up and you make it a better group of people as opposed to everybody just arguing about how to do it and what's the best way. I want to do it this way. I could do it better that way. Right. It It didn't work well for me. Um. It's better than what it is now. What do you do about the rumor mill? I mean, you know, the thing is, is that if it if it's local, we we deal we can deal with rumor mills directly. But you know, if you're if you're in the national spotlight, how do you deal with rumors, or do you just say naysayers go away, kind of thing? Be honest, I ignore it. I, I actually pay no attention to it. I give it zero energy, zero. Really? Absolutely. Because, if I mean, someone says something to somebody else, yeah, here. I'll step in and support the other person who's being offended. But right. if it happens to me, I shut it down and I don't take any action on it. Done. It's smart. over. Nope. So smart. And so how did having kids affect your, your world? Did it intensify <laughs> the experience, you know, that, uh, and, and did it shift your, what, what is important to you? Because I've heard that from several people that once kids entered their world, everything changed. Everything changes. I mean, it's two little beings that take the, so much time in your life. But for me, I, I mean, I'd rather have my two children than have the biggest job in my career. Um, I, I think they make us smarter. Yeah. I know that my daughters make me more creative. I mean, that's that just happens. Just listening to what they think and how they perceive, you know, what I'm doing. And, you know, and Ciara, who's eight, and Gracie, who's three, my eight-year-old will now ask questions about why did you do this or what are you doing and how do you do it? Right. And I love that because, you know, Ciel is very creative and she's a brilliant writer. She's incredible at movie clipping. And I think she'll wind up in the industry of some level of creativity, maybe the movie industry, who knows? I think mm-hmm. she got that gene. Um, and Gracie's just, you know, a fun, playful, animated uh, little girl. And they add a lot of different perspectives to how we work. Do you see the world in a whole new way because of them? Like, do you Absolutely. see the world through their eyes? I see I see our world through their eyes first, and then I see everything else secondary. 
Are they into technology, um, like you know, oh, God the bless TikTok you. and all of those things? I love the fact that you said the young. TikTok. Well, TikTok. So, <laughs> yeah, you can tell. It's the it's the it's oh god. <laughs> the the TikTok. Honestly, I love they it. Are, you know, at well, their we're, age, we're blocked from it. So we we block okay. from TikTok. She's got a. a she has a timing device on her devices, so she gets shut down after a certain period of time. Right. Comes to us for more time. You tell her no. <laughs> we're we're probably um, I would say we are helicopter dads for sure, um, and super proud to be that. Yeah, um, we've had some issues with our children in schools because of having two gay parents. Um, shocking, right? You think it was like, what? I mean, you're David Tutera. What are you oh, talking yeah. about? Like, people went, oh, oh. oh yeah. this is for another another day, another time. But yeah. when six girls don't care about that, <laughs> I walk in and I talk about what to, to, to educators what yeah. they're doing wrong because there's two children that come from a different family, and every family's different, right? right. I go in, and you, you want to see a mean papa and an upset parent, yes. Come fill me on that one. Well, welcome to Florida where you can't say gay. Just saying. I'll say gay, 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 gay all day long. I know because I just passed that. So uh, up until third grade, you can't say gay, which I'm like, really? Please. In the event industry, you you can't say gay without. What do you do if you spell gay backwards? Is that yad? (laughs) That's that old hag down the street that keeps talking about you. That's what (laughs) yad is. So you know, and and so I'm gonna. I didn't even know that you had actually a husband or kids until I started actually reading. What do you think I have? Like ten cats. I did. <laughs> I thought you were like me with like chihuahuas. Anyway, no, <laughs> no I'm lucky. I mean, I'm, I've been married to the I've been, I've been married to the same person for 20 years. My God bless him because I don't know how he puts up with me. But you know, because he's an educator, he's a, a Broward education educator. So I, he's very linear, and I am not. So <laughs> that always that always makes it really interesting in our household because he's actually downstairs with his earphones in because he didn't want to hear me talk. <laughs> right. So, so Brooke, did you have any questions for David? I mean, this is a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity for us. Uh, well, of course, I run up, and I don't usually, but I did today. <laughs> <laughs> and but but I just went on the like the brief um, clip of like what the internet says, and I don't always have to. I don't always do that because sometimes right. that's not correct. So, but the gist of the children and the things, like I got that. And I know who he is other than that. So, I mean, I don't want to get too personal, but you kind of already did the, the things I would have asked anyways. Oh, so good. I'm well, kind you know, of stuck when I'm never the, I'm not the quiet Well, and here. you know, and the thing is, is it, you know, we've talked about this on the show uh, before because, you know, Brooke is, is trans and we've, ta- we've had uh, trans on the show before. And sometimes it's difficult sometimes to have that importance because she knows what she's doing. When we go to an event, I go, the event is yours. Goodbye. I'm going home. Like yeah. two nights ago, right? Like two nights ago. Well, and, I sent and, you home. You didn't leave. <laughs> yeah, she actually did. She's like, like, goodbye. <laughs> She's like, goodbye. Go home. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, in your company, being uh, as a gay man, you do, do you have you found that it's not just being in the in the gay and lesbian LGBT, because now it's LGBTQ plus, blah, 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 um, oh, as 
right. As an older, as an older gay person, I'm like, really? How many pluses do we need to have? Anyway, Bobby, but, Bobby Brinkman says that you guys want the alphabet. <laughs> I know that's right. Bobby Brinkman said, yeah. But you know, I mean, but in your industry, I is it? Have you found that if you're, I mean, because as a gay person, as a designer, I find that there's some girls, some brides that want that gay planner because it, they're stuck in the dynasty world where, you know, you had to be a gay planner in order to make something amazing. Uh, do you, do you fight against that sometimes being a, being a gay man? I don't, I, cause I don't ever walk into a space or an environment. Like I would, you know, I didn't need to know that, you know, Brooke is trans. I would never even ask or care. And I, I would never, you know, tell a, you know, a couple like, you know, that's the label thing. You don't need it. You don't yep. need it. No, like it's not, I'm who my, I am who I am, who I've chosen to be, who I love and what, what I want to be is my personal business. If somebody mm-hmm. asks or wants to know that, or if you feel comfortable enough after like six months and there's a conversation to be had, absolutely. But I, I, I just don't, I don't see people other than what I see, I don't see them as categorized into a bo- into a box. Right. Um, and I think we still have that problem. Like we're all putting people into boxes. Mm. You look this way, you go in that box. You sound this way, you go into that box. Is she that way or he that way or what is? I've got so many people in my actual uh, lineage of my family. I think there's. I have three. What one, two, three trans in my family. Um, and I have, and those are two women, two boy, two, two girls, trans boy, and then the opposite. And I don't, I just see them as who they are. Like they're just who they are. They're nothing. (laughs) That's what it should be with anyone. No matter matter what it is. Well, so when you're planning a wedding, and and we've done this before with, uh, you know, a mixed couple, and having to deal with the family on top of this, who are like, really, these two are getting married? I don't really understand that. That's not my my moral convictions. Do you find yourself having to stand up for the couple? Because I know I do. Many times, I mean, I've had straight out arguments with with the parents. I will not do that. That is not the, my role to get in the middle of that discussion. That is a, as much as I would do that, I would right. probably do that for a stranger on the street, but not right. for a client in a moment, because that's not what I was hired for. It, on the street, I'm a human being going to stick up for somebody who needs to be, needs to be supported. Right. Um, so, but not in my business arena, I would, I would probably never do that. And listen, when I got married, my father didn't want to come to my wedding because he thought it was absolutely appalling. And it, me. So, yeah. in, in he doesn't even refer to my children as his grandchildren because, <gasps> yeah. So, it, you know, it, I'm used to that. But right. what I'm not used to is when people make other people uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable by somebody else. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you just stand up for people. I just love that. I mean, it's not something that I would have expected, honestly, from a personality. Like I said, I, I, I knew very little about you beforehand. I try not to do too much invest, investigating yeah. before we have our conversations because I'd like to ask questions on the spot. Um, when Where did you grow up? I grew up in Portchester, New York, which is a teeny town outside of New York City, 26 miles north of New York City. It yeah. was Predominantly, and this is probably why I am who I, who I am. It was predominantly Latin, black, and a teeny bit of Polish. 
And I went to a school that was very racist. It was, yeah. you know, I, every day I didn't know if I was going to get beat up or not. Um, and then as I got older and it sort of became aware that I was gay, I wasn't aware other people were, right? I, right. You know, I bullied my entire, entire time in school. And I, then knowing how horrible my days were, today I attribute all of that for how powerful and strong I am because of what those idiots chose to say or do to me. And today I'm that person, not that person. I'm the person I am today because of the strength and power they gave me. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I grew up in Texas, Plano, Texas. God bless them all because I'm not going to bless them. Anyway, uh, but, you know, it was the same thing. It's like I remember being bullied constantly, and I and I didn't even have the worst of it. I mean, I was always 6'3 and a big guy, so not a lot of people wanted to screw with me. But there was a point when I remember, like, uh, my mom's – one of my mom's friends said, you got to move him out of this, this co- county. You got to get him away from this because – it's going to cause damage long-term. And I didn't really find myself in, in until I was in college in my first couple of years of college where I found my like real true tro- chosen family. And I didn't really understand the idea of chosen family, but now you have your chosen family. Do you find more strength from that? Because you, you have a husband, you have kids, you've built your tribe, quote unquote. I do. I, I mean, absolutely. Yes. I mean, uh, to me, my, having a family and you know a great husband and two children, I think is the most important thing than anything else. Um, did you ever assume that you were going to have this when you were younger? One hundred percent, yes. You did. Yes. See, I would have never. I mean, before I got married, I never thought it was possible for somebody well, like me. It wasn't supposed to be possible. So when someone tells me something's not possible, I'm going to goddamn make it possible. <laughs> <laughs> I always yes. wanted to fit when I was growing up, and yeah, I found a right. pair, I finally found a pair that fit. <laughs> so. There you go. And, <laughs> and when you find your place, and you find what fits and what works, and you're in your spot and your place, you know, you feel who you are. You feel exactly the way you're supposed to be. So, what do you see next for the event industry as as a whole? Do you see us going more into technology, Zoom, kind of not in in person kind of planning? I, you know, God, I hope not. I have been, I've been saying this over and over. I mean, yes, there's virtual events, but for, for the, this is not what our world is. We are human beings that need to be with each other to celebrate together in an environment that they experience and see and feel. Now, if somebody is on a small budget and, they're, and they can't do something, there's a secondary core of business that you can have. You know, right. doing ten-person virtual, you know, ceremony. Sure, knock yourself out. I'm not right. saying remove it, but I'm not saying replace our industry with a whole other new technology direction. If we go down that road, we're going to slowly begin to close businesses and slowly mm. begin to lose income and slowly have no industry left to talk about. I agree with that. And then, and as you get more into the event world, are you finding yourself breaking off into other products, other forms of being a David Tutera brand? Like, and the reason I bring this up is, you know, Monty from say yes to the dress Atlanta, you know, he has, um, uh, his own little like bouquet. Uh, oh, I'm saying that wrong. Um, guy, ladies help me. 
Boutique. <laughs> Thank you. Boutique. boutique. Oh my God. I just totally lost my brain. Anyway, he has his own little boutique and he has like the full Monty products, which he sent to us, which was really lovely. Do you find yourself that, you know, is your passion always going to be events or do you find yourself wanting to pursue other things? Um, to know me is to know that I get bored quickly. So I like to do a lot of different things and we are launching a project that has been in two years in the making. Um, that will probably launch in another three to four months um, nationally. And it's something that someone can go online and order and receive the David Tutera experience in their home or wherever it is that they might be having a celebration. I'm not trying to give you vague enough information, but um, it's really, really well thought out curated concept, um, which we are very proud of and excited to launch. Amazing. Amazing. And I know that you're so crazy busy, so I don't want to actually keep you for the full hour because I know that you have another appointment like right after this. So I just want to say thank you for being on Behind the Veil. Ladies, right? Amazing? Yes. I mean, David, David, I just want you to know, I still have the letter that you sent to me all these years ago. What year was it? Uh, Do you really want me to say? (laughs) (laughs) 1999. Wow. I saved that letter. Wow. That's so cool. Thank you. Thank you. That's so cool. And wait, is it? I mean, you were, I mean, honestly, you were a huge inspiration. That was my very first conference. And you were such a huge inspiration because I hadn't seen anything like that. That was the first time I got to see something in such a magnitude, you know, magnetic way that it was just like, my draw, my mouth was on the floor. My jaw was on the floor and I had to pick it up because I just, it, it was the first time I actually really felt it. You know, yeah. I'd been doing events. I had been in the industry for a while, Sorry, but to really feel it is a different story. So I thank you for that. Oh, I mean, that please. was incredible. I'm glad that you, 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 you took something from that and it expanded who you wanted to be in the industry. You should come to the DTE. It, it, I mean, it's like, it's life-changing. It's it's like going to church for the event industry. That's how insane it is. I love that it has its initials, DTE. You know, yeah. you've already shortened it. It's no longer the David Duterte experience. It's DTE. <laughs> I love that because you know that means something. But, you know, by the way, Marcy, did you have that in plastic? Is that letter in plastic? No, I had it. In, I had it in my file cabinet. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. I thought you. I had. I thought you were like, oh, let me like seal this so I have it like forever and ever. <laughs> no, I had it. I had it in my file cabinet. That's actually a good idea. Yes. <laughs> okay, David, thank you so much. It has been enlightening and amazing. And I have to tell you, I have a whole new respect. I mean, I was already already respected you, but I only from from the level of somebody that watches you on TV and and hasn't actually gotten to talk to you. And I'm so impressed. I mean, I'm like, so like, I've got little chill bumps going on. I've got like the little nervous things going on in my stomach because I just think that you're so impressive. And, and I, I'm glad that you've never lost you and during this entire process. And I think that that's the big piece here. Such a humble human being. Really? Seriously. That's like my thing. So I know that I'm doing the right thing because someone on your caliber, that's super humble that I can just look at and relate to so easily. Boom. And I love your background, by the way. 
and the and the pictures the of your husband behind you and, and everything. I mean, I'm mean, like watching behind you, and I'm like, look at how cute they are. Three D. Wow. We've got two thirds of my living room on the show. We've got the couch, and the internet wasn't working, so now we're at the front door. Oh my god, you're funny. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being on Behind the Veil. We will see you next Tuesday at two o'clock. But for now, everybody, say goodbye and say thank you, David. Thank you, thank David. You, goodbye. David. Thank you, goodbye. Bye. Bye.